The first apostle that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to, the first man that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to was that of the apostle Peter. <coughs> and we find this post-resurrection appearance of Christ to Peter given to us nearly as an indirect manner. It comes to us nearly as second-hand news. We learn of it from the two from the conversation of the two disciples who met the Saviour on the road to Emmaus. And somehow or another, I believe, it was revealed to them that the Lord Jesus had appeared unto Simon. Of course, we know about the Bible study that they had with the Saviour on that road. We're, we're very familiar of it, how the Lord Jesus opened up the Scriptures to them. And it says in the word of God, he expounded unto them the word of God, beginning at Moses and going through all the prophets. They would never forget that Bible study. No matter where they went, they would never forget that day they, they spent with the Lord. And of course, when, they, when their understanding was opened and they realized this was really the Savior who was their Bible teacher, they left Emmaus and went the whole way back to Jerusalem in the dark, to tell the disciples the good news that the Lord is risen indeed. And then we just have this little postscript onto what they had to say. The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon. And so somehow they must have discerned from the conversation with the Saviour that the Lord Jesus had met with him. There are various names that are given, uh, of course, to Simon. We find them all in John 1, 40, 41. We'll not take time to go there. Uh, but this man named Simon was Peter. And, of course, he was renamed as Cephas by the Saviour. And that's why we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There, that great uh, resurrection chapter. We read there, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Uh, it's a wonderful story how the risen Saviour appeared unto this man. We can't pinpoint the exact moment or the exact location where it happened. But I think time-wise, if we put all of the events together, it must have been somewhere uh, after the meeting of the Saviour on the woman, uh, with the women to, on the road to the tomb and before that of these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now there's been much speculation over the years as to why the risen Saviour first appeared to Peter and to no other uh, before the other apostles. I was speaking to one man this week, and a Roman Catholic man, and he just answered, well, that's because he was the first Pope. Well, let me assure you, Peter never was the Pope. And the Lord Jesus never appeared to Simon Peter to confer unto him papal authority or to superiority over any of the other apostles. But he appeared unto Simon Peter for a totally different reason. Because he was a penitent backslider. The events previous to the cross, I believe they, they hung over the, the mind of Simon Peter like a dark foreboding cloud. He was a broken man before the cross. And he wanted to put things right. And the risen Lord appeared unto him just to bring him the assurance, the reassurance of pardon and forgiveness. You know, assurance for a Christian is a wonderful thing. Christian, if you lose your assurance, you'll lose your peace. You will lose that sense of the Lord's presence and grace with you along the journey. And that's what happened to Simon Peter. 
He lost his assurance. He lost his peace. And the risen Lord appeared unto him to restore to him that assurance. And to restore to him that peace. And as it were, to reset his walk again with the Lord. Peter knew from that moment onward that the Lord Jesus appeared unto him. His walk was now restored. And we know in John chapter 21, he would be recommissioned as an apostle once again. You know, before you're commissioned to do anything, make sure that your walk with God is something. And if your walk with God is not right, you'll never be commissioned to do anything for the Lord. Because what you do for the Lord will depend on how you're walking with the Lord. And so before we get to John 21 and the recommissioning of the Apostle Peter, we stop here. This wonderful little incident and we find his personal uh, his personal resetting, restoration, if we could put it like that, his personal restoration with the Lord. I'm glad the risen Lord Jesus Christ, he's interested in all of God's people. He's interested in you. He knows the heart of every individual in the gathering tonight. And perhaps there's someone in the gathering tonight and you know that your life is not right with the Lord. Do you want to go on? Do you want to go on the way you have been going? The up and the down experience, that lack of assurance, that lack of peace, just as it were, that, that dark foreboding cloud over your mind? Or do you want your walk to be restored with Christ tonight? Because that's why Christ has brought you to the gathering. That your life might be restored and your walk brought closer to him. I believe the Lord works in the same way, that same way of restoration that he did with Peter, uh, way back in that resurrection day, is the same way he restores souls tonight. None of us, none of us want to walk out of fellowship with Christ. And as we look at this restoration of Peter, his own personal walk, may we all be drawn into closer fellowship with Christ tonight. Firstly, if we're going to know how it happens, let's retrace the steps which led to his backsliding. We have to go back prior to the crucifixion. Well, what were those steps? We, we thought this morning about the Christian being submitted to the will of God. A Christian who is submitted to the will of God is a very special person indeed. They have a very special uh, blessing in their lives. But the Christian that is unsubmitted is someone that is outside of the will of God. Go back with me please to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. We looked at this a few weeks ago. And here, here we see Peter's spirit. He was far from being submitted to the will of God. He was in rebellion to the will of God and to the plan that the Lord Jesus had laid out for his own life. In Matthew 16, as this is one of the first incidents, verse 21, 23, where Jesus told the disciples that when he would go up to Jerusalem, he would suffer many things, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Verse 21. Could Peter take it? Could Peter believe it? I think not. He, he, he began to rebuke him. Peter began to rebuke the Lord. And he said. Be it far from thee Lord. This shall not be unto thee. It was as if he was incredulous to it. Could such a thing happen to the Saviour at Jerusalem? But the Lord discerned. The power behind the voice and the influence behind the voice. And it is a sobering thought, Christian, that 
The devil can put words in your mouth. Be careful. That's why David can say, put a guard upon my lips. The devil can put words in your, in your mouth that would even try to rebuke the Savior. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get thee, he turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Be warned. Once you're, once you're no longer in submission to the will of Christ, the word of Christ, you're in rebellion to it. It's not, it's not an if, uh, uh, or uh, this is not a situation where you have an option. You're either in submission or rebellion. Now, where are you tonight? Where is your life tonight with God? His rashness also, I think, uh, it was one of the, the steps that led to his uh, backsliding. <clears throat> Turn just over to chapter 26. Chapter 26, Matthew 26. We're just tracing these steps together very briefly. Matthew 26, verse 33 to 35. <clears throat> Here Peter, bold and brash and he was so full of confidence of himself. He, 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 so rel, he was so reliant upon the flesh. What did he say? Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Now that's a big statement, isn't it? Everybody else can run, but I'll not run. Everybody else will flee, but I'll not flee. That was the flesh talking because uh, if we look into all of our hearts, we'll find in all of our hearts a tendency to run. We'll all run. I assure you, we'll all run. It's only the Spirit of God will give you the grace not to do it. And Jesus said to him, This night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And again, Peter, he never learnt. He said, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise, also said all the disciples. I believe he was sincere. I don't believe he was insincere. We shouldn't judge his sincerity. But the foolishness of it lay in this. It was all made in the power of the flesh. It's what I will do. What I will do. And there are many Professing Christians, they talk like that. What I am doing, what I will do. Dear brethren and sisters, it's not I that is important, it is Christ. If you're talking about what you will do instead of what Christ is doing through you, you're already on that road that will lead, that will lead to backsliding. There's another little incident here, and I think we should all take note of it. And Jesus took note of it. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 45. Remember they're in Gethsemane, this sacred place. And Jesus addressed here uh, something I think very important. He addressed the fact that they lacked physical rest. Verse 45. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. You can sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. <clears throat> Although the disciples had slept when they, when they should have been watching and praying, 
There's, there's not a word of stern denunciation by the Savior. What a compassionate Savior he is. He knew the weakness of their flesh. And he addressed us even in this little text. He said, sleep on now and take your rest. It wasn't said in any begrudging way or a belittling way. These men were exhausted. And Jesus said, he recognized it. And I think visiting the scene as we hear the Savior plead and pray. And we just watched just a few steps away, uh, Peter and James and John, and they're sleeping. Why? Were they so spiritually insensitive? Perhaps. But they were also physically exhausted. You, can't, you cannot burn the candle at both ends, brethren and sisters. I have never profited from my Bible reading, reading it at 5 to 12 at night. That is just a sop to the conscience. You'll only profit from your Bible reading and from your intercession with God when you're physically able to profit from it. Guard that time. Guard that time. Our attitude to prayer reveals our attitude of heart. Our attitude to prayer reveals our attitude to heart. There are some people, and if it was to, for work, they'll be up at five in the morning. I know some of you are up at five in the morning. But what about the prayer time? Where, where are the priorities here? Where, where do we, we fit in all of our priorities? There are many... There are many Christians today who set aside the prayer time because they were too tired to do it. And they're backslidden today. They're away from God. Peter started down the backsliding route. Also, when he refused to listen to advice, don't, don't think you're too big to listen to the advice of others. Our Kenyan friends, it's the, one of the great statements of Kenya, it takes a whole village to raise a child. In other words, it's a community. So it's not just mum and dad know absolutely right, but it's a community that will raise the child. Now, in our culture, you see, that's something totally different because we're just like little units and we don't like anybody else to, to speak into what we're doing or to address what we're doing. But that is not New Testament Christianity because we're to admonish one another in the Lord. Admonishing someone is not dressing them down. Admonishing someone is advising them, just giving them brotherly Christian advice. And oftentimes we've watched people go astray and forsake of not wanting to offend. We have said nothing and that individual has gone headlong into a car crash mode and they've come out of it spiritually very damaged. We are to admonish one another in the Lord. And so much more the Bible says as ye see the day appearing. So go to Luke's Gospel please just for a little moment. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 31. <clears throat> Luke 22, verse 31. Again, the Lord said unto Simon, Simon. Now, when you, anywhere in the scripture, when you find Jesus using the double emphasis, you should always sit up and take note. There's something very important. He said, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, 
that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. It doesn't mean that Peter was not converted here, but when you're changed, you, your, your work is to strengthen the brethren. And again, Peter, this is the full picture of his denial. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Now, what I take from that is this. Peter was just oblivious to what the Lord had been saying. The Lord had been telling him, Peter, be warned, Satan hath desired to have you. It's like that warning, stop at the, at the, at the end of the road, stop here. And you don't stop and, and you just drive on. And you know what happens when you just drive on. There was a warning here, but Peter wasn't listening to the warning. And that's because Proverbs 14, 14 tells us that the backslider in heart is filled in his own ways. Always take time to consider godly counsel and advice. Always take time to consider godly counsel and advice. I believe part of discerning the will of God is this. People are very individualistic about it. They get a verse and they'll come and say, Pastor, God has given me this verse and this is what I have to do. And have you prayed about it? Yes, I have prayed about it. But perhaps we should pray about it instead of you just praying about it. And did God send you other evidence to back up that verse? And I would always say to people, just don't pluck a verse out of the Bible and say this is the will of God. But did God guide somebody else to preach in that verse, to reference that verse? Did he send uh, other evidence in to, as it were, corroborate what the verse is actually saying to you, some other preacher, some other Christian, some other individual? And it's not until you have all of that guidance that you can say that you've got the will of the Lord laid out for you. It pays to take the advice of others. I have to confess uh, to you, I haven't always appreciated the advice that others have given to me. And don't expect, likewise, that others will always appreciate the advice that you have been given. But always take time to listen to it. And of your ways to heed it. Even criticism. Even criticism. I know as a preacher, criticism, at the right time, at the right time, you can take it at the wrong time. No, you can't take it. Be careful when you criticise the preacher. But at the right time, it is constructive. And it's just like an individual Christian. But be careful, be careful, dear brethren and sisters, that you heed uh, the advice that God sends along your way. Secondly, we have to go down a sad route and notice the sorrows that backsliding brings. He didn't listen. He stepped outside. Even though he is amongst the band of the disciples, if you'd looked into that band of disciples, you'd saw Peter, you'd have thought everything was going well. Just the way as people saw you coming to church tonight, all dressed up to go to a meeting, everybody thinks everything's well. But only God really sees what's going on in the heart, just the same way it was with Peter. And the last picture we have of Peter prior to the crucifixion is of a man full of remorse, heartbroken. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 22 and verse 62, we read about Peter after his denial. That, did he feel proud about it? Did he say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter? It did matter to him, absolutely it did. He went out and he wept bitterly. When he heard that, cock crow early in the morning 
he realised just how far in the hours of night he had gone into sin. Now that denial just didn't happen in those hours of darkness. Those hours of darkness revealed what already was happening in his life. There's no just one incident. There's no just one incident. It's a whole process of incidents. And no one needed to point out to him, Peter, you've denied the Lord. The word of the Lord has been right to you. Conscience just smote him and struck him at that very one point in time. And his heart was broken. And he wept. I believe the backslider essentially can be a a prosperous person, successful person. But at heart they're a very unhappy person. You can't be happy in knowing that you're walking away from the Lord. That you've denied the Lord. That you've stepped outside of his will. Peter's sorrow was further increased. I think when he thought upon his past blessings. Do you not think he thought of those days in Galilee when the Saviour called them to leave their nets and to follow him? Oh, he thought about those days. He thought about the visitation of Christ to his home in Capernaum. What a special time that was. There are certain homes mentioned in the Bible that Jesus went to visit. I've always thought uh, sometimes I, I do really have some uh, ideas in my head, but never when, it, when they're translated, they never come out. But I've always thought that would be such a wonderful study to do just the homes that Jesus visited. This was one of them, Capernaum. It was a home where he saw the power of God revealed. You remember there in Mark chapter 2, his mother-in-law lay sick with a fever and He went in and Jesus went in and healed her. He saw at his door, Jesus was able to preach the word of God. Peter knew all of that. Do you not think when Peter thought of all of those times that he witnessed the power and the might of Christ and when Christ took him up to that Mount of Transfiguration and he saw the glory of Christ and when he heard those Old Testament patriarchs talking with Christ about his demise at Jerusalem. Do you not think that that Peter's heart was further broken within? I believe it was. Oftentimes, you know, the older you get, the more you have to look back on. And I suppose the older the free church gets, the more it has to look back on. But if we're only looking back and not forward, if we're only talking about past blessings and no present blessings, it reveals to us spiritually where we really are with the Lord. Peter's sorrow was made the sorer when he thought of the future. How could he ever meet the Lord again? How could he ever face him? Have you ever done something on someone And you're wondering, how can I face those people ever again? He had denied him in his hour of need. He had fled the scene. He had swore, he had used oaths that he didn't know the Lord. How could he ever meet the Lord face to face again? Would the Lord ever want him close to him? Because he had followed far from him in his hour of need. Why would the Lord want him close when he was content to follow afar off? But... We serve a God of grace. And it was Jesus who came looking for Peter. 
It wasn't Peter who went looking for Jesus. The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon. How gracious is the Lord. And I, I think they're not unfamiliar to us. All of these fears that went through the heart and life of Peter. Do you ever think one day, dear brother or sister, one day you're going to stand before the same Saviour? We're going to give an account. What, what will you say? What, what, what will your answer be? What a heavy, sorrowful burden the backslider has to carry. But your burden can be left at the feet of Jesus tonight. The sorrows that you carry are not the sorrows that the Lord Jesus wants you to take forward. I just want you to, to notice here in closing with me the renewed submission which the backslider must make. He had to be submitted again. This is the key. And the key to a blessing in the Christian life is submission. We'll go back to that prayer that we looked at this morning. It is submission. Yielded and submitted to the will of God. And this had to be traced back right to the very scene of the Lord's betrayal. Luke 22, verse 60, 61 again. Uh, Verse 60, Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. I, I think that's wonderful. Again, the Lord was looking for Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. What was it that brought Peter back? Was it some harsh sermon, some stern word, some, some upsetting scene? It was none of those things. It was the piercing look of Christ that brought him back to his senses. Peter had to be taught how bitter a thing it is to forsake the Lord. And as Christ looked at him, I believe godly sorrow that worketh itself to repentance was wrought in his soul. We read about Judas. Judas repented himself. Judas looked away from Christ. Peter looked to Christ. And that's what I want to say to you tonight. Look to Christ. Don't look to this preacher. You'll be lost if you look to him. But look to Christ. The soul must look to Christ and submit themselves afresh to Christ. The Lord had already given Peter hope, of course. Remember he told them, we looked at that some weeks ago, Mark 16, 7. <clears throat> he told them, I'm going to meet you again in Galilee. I am going to meet you again in Galilee. And again, this message was sent uh, to Peter by the women that brought this comfort to his soul. Uh, the risen Christ wanted to meet with him. Peter, humanly speaking, might have better understood if the opposite message had been sent, Peter, I want nothing to do with you. But Peter, I want to meet with you. The Lord has a special message for the backslider. For the backslidden church, the Lord doesn't say to the backslider, get away from me. Rather, he says to such, come to me. Come to me. 
And he's speaking to all of our hearts tonight. Does the Lord want to drive any Christian from him? No, he wants to draw Christians to him. Come to me. Even tonight. It's good to know that the risen Lord is still waiting to receive the penitent soul. Uh, Peter, I believe, made a complete surrender when the risen Lord appeared to him. Peter didn't need to know anything else at that time. He just knew, I'm accepted by Christ, and I'm in fellowship with Christ, and whatever else the future holds with me, my life is right with Christ. And that's what I want to say to you tonight. I don't know what the future holds for you. Peter didn't know what the future held for him when the risen Lord appeared to him that day. He didn't know there was going to be martyrdom. He didn't know there was going to be persecution. He didn't know any of those things. He didn't know what lay ahead. But all he just knew was his life was right with Christ. And that's what I want you to know before this day is over. Whatever tomorrow holds, today my life is right with Christ. And this is the place that we all need to be in. We all need to be in this place. I'm not judging anyone's heart tonight. But I know for sure that I need to be in the place where my life is right with Christ. And I want to be in that place. And I know you want to be in that place too. There is no greater blessing than meeting with the Saviour. And here today is pledged to meet with us. It was just Peter and Christ. Oh, it's a special meeting. And here in this gathering as we close it tonight, it's just you and Christ. And he wants to meet with you. Submit your will again to him tonight. He has found you. Even if you didn't go looking for him, he's come looking for you. And the grace he draws near to you. And all he asked is a heart that's yielded and submitted unto him. May those nail-pierced hands touch all of our hearts tonight. And especially if there's some heart cold and far away from him, may you be brought to him. The same way as backslider is brought back is exactly the same way a sinner is brought to Christ. Just look to him. Look to him and live. Let's unite our hearts in prayer, please, as we close our gathering. Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight. The risen Lord still desires to meet with his people. How we bless thee for that. We thank thee for the reassurance that Christ desires to meet with us. We could understand it with all of our failures, faults, and fallings, our many fallings. If he would say, I want nothing to do with you, but we thank thee that Christ delights in his people. And I pray tonight that thou wilt draw our hearts out after Christ. Bless, we pray of thee, all who know and love thee in the meeting. We just want to, we want to know thee more. We want to love thee better. And for those that walk afar off tonight, bring them this night into sweet, close fellowship with thyself. Lord, hear our prayer this evening. Take us out into the week that lies ahead in thy will. And with that reassurance, the Lord has met with us today. And as we go forth to serve thee, 
we can say the will of the Lord be done in our lives. Take us now in safety and in peace back to our homes, watching over us, Lord, until we meet again, or until Jesus comes or calls to take us home, in whose name I pray. Amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Ghost rest, remain and abide with you both now and evermore. Amen. Remember this evening as you leave the LTBS Little Quarterly Magazine so you can get your copy as you leave tonight's sales.